Life Audio. The Bible Study Podcast, Episode 840. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues a study of the book of Psalms with Psalm 104. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. Before we get into this song of praise, first a word from our sponsor. Did you know that the Salvation Army not only provides services to those in need, but we also produce a network of Christian podcasts you can listen to on your favorite podcast store? One of these shows, Words of Life, is a 15-minute weekly show featuring interviews, testimonies, Bible studies, and more. In April, we'll once again hear from author and pastor Natalie Runyon. She has created a new six-week discipleship course for women to talk about community, women in leadership, accountability, and more. We want discipleship to be what's drawing people, not bounce houses. They're more likely to come back and not just to be entertained. Even in me, you know, making him have to pry it from my hands, he was still saying, but I have something better. It was because of the redeemed saying so, of telling the story of what God had done. When we point people to him, they're going to want to know him. Listen to Words of Life on your favorite podcast store or visit wordsoflifepodcast.org. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with The King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Psalm 104 is a little longer than some of the ones we've had recently. It's 35 verses, so I'm just going to read it through one time, and then I'm going to break it up and comment as I go instead of reading the whole thing just for time. Praise the Lord, my soul. Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. The Lord wraps himself in light as with a garment. He stretches out the heavens like a tent and lays the beams of his upper chambers on their waters. He makes the clouds his chariot and rides on the wings of the wind. He makes winds his messengers, flames of fire his servants. We don't always get to appreciate the poetic nature of these psalms, but of course they are songs and they were a form of poetry. And some of them lose that poetic sense when you get translated from Hebrew into English. But I feel like this one did not. So we start with this, praise the Lord, O my soul. So the psalmist talking to himself, basically saying, Lord, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. So now addressing God and talking about the majesty of God, the wondrous nature of God. So when we talk in Sunday school about Jesus, our friend, and things like that, that's one view of God. When we talk about God, the Father, that's another way to see God. And Then there's this view here that reminds us that God is the creator, that God is the one who has the power to create and the power to destroy, that all that has been made was made by his hands. And I say that poetically. And then this Lord wraps himself with light as with a garment. I just love that visual idea there, that God wrapping himself with maybe a sunset, and stretching out his heavens like a tent. So God 
putting out the heavens. And I think of as the sun rises and we see the sky come into being again during the day. Obviously, it was there last night. But, you know, what I'm saying, it lights up in such that it's it's like a tent is what the psalmist is thinking. And he lays the beams of his upper chambers on their waters. And water, because the cosmological understanding of the ancient Hebrews was that the sky was the waters above and that these and that there were waters below because clearly it was blue and therefore it must be water, which is not entirely incorrect. The water vapor has something to do with the refraction of the light, which gives us the blue color of sunlight. And then he makes the clouds his chariot and rides on the wings of the wind. This is the poetic part here that I just really love. He makes the clouds his chariot and rides on the wings of the wind, that God is above all, God is in control of all. And we see just little glimpses of this, for instance, in the personage of Jesus, which is fully God, but also fully human, that even Jesus who could walk on water, even Jesus who could manipulate creation and turn five loaves and fish into food for thousands, that we can see... get a little glimpse of the majesty of God in those accounts. He makes winds his messengers, flames of fire his servants. I live in a place where wind and fire are a really bad combination, that that's what gives us nightmares sometimes in the summertime when we see the fire get whipped up by winds. And like we saw recently in in West Maui and the destruction that they could have, but just the power that is in them, that raw power of the flames whipped by wind is something that God can manipulate and God has that kind of power is what the psalmist is saying. He set the earth on its foundations. It can never be moved. He covered it with the watery depths as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains, but at your rebuke, the waters fled. At the sound of your thunder, they took to flight. They flowed over the mountains. They went down into the valleys to the place you assigned for them. You set a boundary they cannot cross. Never again will they cover the earth. And so we get this picture here, cosmological ancient Hebrew creation vision of God creating the mountains and uncovering the waters and revealing the land. And that God is doing all this manipulating and creating this. So we get both the power of God, but also the creativity of God. And that is something that when we say we're made in the image of God, that's one of the things that I think that we are supposed to be in the image of God is that we are we are endowed with creativity. You probably more than you admit, he makes springs pour water into the ravines. It flows between the mountains. They give water to all the beasts of the field, the wild donkeys quench their thirst, the birds of the sky nest by the waters, they sing among the branches. And think about this for a people who live on the edge of a desert. So if you've ever been to the eastern part of Israel, before you get to the Dead Sea and you get to Masada and and Gedi and places like that, the places that were known as the wilderness, they are dry and there's not a lot of life there, but the water that carves its way through these ravines, brings life to these places. Think of oases in the desert. And so the psalmist uses this as a metaphor for what God does. 
They give water to the beasts of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds of the sky nest by its waters. They sing among the branches. He waters the mountains from his upper chambers. The land is satisfied by the fruit of his work. Do you think about the fact that God has work? We see that in creation story that God rested from his labors on the seventh day. And so it shows that God is working or God has worked, but I believe God is still working. And that's certainly the psalmist vision here. He makes the grass grow for the cattle and plants for people to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth, wine that gladdens human hearts, oil to make their faces shine, and bread that sustains their heart. That's pretty much it. That's all I need. A little little olive oil, a little bread, uh, and some wine. I'm good. Wine to gladden my heart and oil to make my face shine. Well, in this case, it's just to put a little on the bread and bread that sustains the heart. The trees of the Lord are well watered, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. There the birds make their nests. The stork has its home in the junipers. The high mountains belong to the wild goats. The crags are a refuge for the hyrax. And so the psalmist is picturing those highlands in the northern part of Israel and into Lebanon that are forested and all the wild animals that live in the cedars of Lebanon. He made the moon to mark the seasons and the sun knows when to go down. You bring darkness, it becomes night and all the beasts of the forest prowl. The lions roar for their prey and seek their food from God. The sun rises and they steal away. They return and lie down in their dens. Then people go out to their work, to their labor until evening. Now, why I may have a little different cosmological view than the writer of the psalm in terms of which body is moving, whether the sun is going down or the earth is turning, the idea here is that God is in charge of the seasons and the movement of things. That, you know, when I think of the Old Testament, that there is a season for everything that the things work this way here where the sun goes down and we know it's time to sleep, but the lions come out and roar for their prey, that there is an order to things and that the creation that God put in place is ordered. How many are your works, Lord? In wisdom, you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. There is the sea, vast and spacious, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things both large and small, There the ships go to and fro, and Leviathan, which you formed, to frolic there. There certainly are a lot of things in the sea, and the seas are even bigger than the people of ancient Israel would have known if they hadn't made their way all the way over to the Atlantic Ocean. The writer has probably only seen the Mediterranean Sea, but the seas are vast, and they are marvelous. And if you haven't spent time under the water or on the water and seeing the vastness and the wonders of the creatures in the sea, I think you should. All creatures look to you to give them their food at the proper time. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. When you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. I feel like I should break into circle of life here, but that's really what is being talked about here is that God is putting together this cycle of life, that things are eating, things are being born, and things are dying, and that God is behind it all. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. He who looks at the earth and it trembles, he who touches the mountains and they smoke. I pray that 
as you look at the work of your hands, you, like God, could see that they are good, that they are well done and worth doing, because God certainly looks at that way at his creation, including you. When God looks at you, he looks at you with favor and rejoices in you as part of creation. I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. May my meditation be pleasing to him as I rejoice in the Lord. But may sinners vanish from the earth and the wicked be no more. Praise the Lord, my soul. Praise the Lord. I love this last part here, especially verses 33 and 34 here. I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise. What else can you do when you consider what God has done is what the psalmist is saying. When I consider what God has made and the wonder and the marvelousness of it, then what else can I do but praise God? What else can I do but meditate on what would be pleasing to God as I rejoice in the Lord and see the works of God has made with joy? And then let the sinners vanish from the earth because they're getting in the way is really, they're not part of this plan that God has. Those who are going against the will of God are fighting against the creation that God has made. Then we read about that in uh, various books in the New Testament, especially. I think of uh, Watchman Nee, the Christian Chinese evangelist, who talks in Love Not the World about the things that are opposite to creation, the world and the devil and, and the way things run. And we sometimes don't get a chance to see the creation because it's being obscured by the world. The organization and the the chaos that we have made as a partner with the devil. And so the psalmist here, as he considers the beauty of creation, prays that that chaos and that that brokenness will go away and just the creation will be left. I pray that this week you will see through the chaos to the creation of God and see the wonder and beauty and joy in that. And with that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on this podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Have you ever felt conflict between your faith and feelings? If so, you're not alone. My name's Carly Mercouillier. I'm a licensed therapist and the host of the Therapy and Theology podcast, where we explore popular topics and questions related to faith, feelings, and spiritual formation. I want to invite you to join me every Thursday as we fearlessly name the complexities of our reality, grow in the awareness of who we are, and rediscover the power and purpose of our unique stories through the lens of the gospel. Subscribe today at lifeaudio.com.